say to us this morning through your word. We are dependent upon you. Speak through me. May we hear from your spirit to our hearts this morning. Amen. Good morning. Thank you. Mm, thank you for that. Appreciate that. <laughs> so we're in a new series called Resurrected Life. And we started on Easter about how the risen Jesus renews us for a resurre resurrected life, both now and forever. And so we're talking specifically, how does Jesus renew us for victory over the seven deadly sins? Uh, last week we talked about pride, and, and today we're talking about envy. And uh, we started last, the last sermon on uh, three principles of sin that kind of set the context for understanding these deadly sins. And I'm just going to briefly bring them to your mind again. The first is that sin is deadly. Sin is something that, that decays our souls, it destroys our lives, our relationship with God, our relationship with others. And uh, specifically, the seven deadly sins, they're specifically more deadly because the church has identified them as gateway sins. They lead to other habits and, and attitudes of life that bring death to our souls. The second principle was that sin must be named. We have to call it for what it is. We can't rename it something else so that we feel better. We have to confess it, name it, and renounce it so that we can find victory. And the third principle was that we can and we must overcome sin. Because Jesus died and rose again, we have the freedom to walk, uh, to walk and live in a new way of life. And we must overcome it because it's going to destroy our souls if we don't. So we can and we must overcome sin. So this week we're talking about the deadly sin of envy. And I want to talk about, well, what is envy exactly? Why is it deadly? And when can you understand when it's beginning? And then lastly, how can we defeat it so that we can walk and live a resurrected life? So let's start with a definition. What is envy? I think the best way that I can put it towards you is envy is the sin of comparing and despairing. It's the sin of comparing your life to everyone else's around you and despairing that maybe you don't have something that they have, whether it's a, a position or a privilege or a power or something. You compare yourself and you despair. Rebecca DeYoung says envy is feeling bitter when others have it better. Feeling bitter when others have it better. Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, says it's the painful and often resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by somebody else. You see, envy happens, I believe, at its core because we are evaluating our self-worth 
We're evaluating our identity on how we're doing it compared to other people. That's where it comes from. We're comparing ourselves to, to others. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing in life? How are you doing in life? How would you know if your life is doing, if you're doing well, if you're, if you're successful, if your life is good? I think most of us, many in our, especially in our culture, we, we compare ourselves maybe, maybe to your neighbor. Maybe you say, well, I, I have nicer things, my neighbor, a nicer house. Or maybe you compare yourself to, to, uh, to your family. Or you evaluate your self-worth and how well your family is doing. For some of us, we find our self-worth in our bank account or our pay stub. We look at how much is there, how much, how much we make in a salary, an hourly wage. For some of us, we, we're, we're at, we evaluate how we're doing on our job title or position and where our career trajectory is going. For some of us, we evaluate our self-worth and how well our kids are doing. How well our kids are doing maybe compared to others. For some of you, it's your, maybe it's your home, what kind of home you have, maybe, maybe how well, how nice it looks or how, what kind of home you live in. Maybe it's your car. I think for many of us, it's maybe how you look in the mirror or what the number says on the scale when you weigh it. We evaluate all kinds of things to, to answer the question, how are we doing? How am I doing in life? And I think for most of us, we've been taught to evaluate our lives like this, by climbing a ladder. We climb a ladder of success. And we say, if I can just get a little higher than everybody else, oh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing, I, can, I can see y'all down there. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. But then, this is what happens. I'm going to invite my wonderful worship coordinator and new interim office manager up. So I think I'm doing pretty well up here. I've managed to climb up a few rungs. Oh, what, what is this? What's going on? Oh, my. Now, envy is, <laughs> I thought I was doing pretty well, but then I compare and I say, my goodness, he's so much higher. He makes more money than I do. He makes more money. He's, he's in a better position. He's given a better privilege. He has a nicer car, a nicer home. I must not be doing so hot. I'm comparing and I'm despairing. That's how it works. Thank you, Matthias. You can go, you can go down. <laughs> you can leave that ladder up too, and that's, or move it aside maybe for them. But we've been taught from an early age that we need to climb this ladder to have the best grades, to be the best on the sports team, to make the most money, to have the best career, to have the nicest house. We want to climb this ladder of success. But that is not a path to life. It's a path to envy and decay in comparison that leaves us longing for more. So envy is despairing when someone else has, is a little bit higher than you in some area. And so imagine if I was here, Matthias is still up there, and he goes up one more rung. How do I feel? I'm upset. Now imagine if Matthias is up there, and I'm basing my worth on how someone else is doing, and Matthias falls down and the ladder falls over. I might, if I'm envious, I might be feeling pretty good. I might say, well, that's, he had, what, had what's coming to him. Glad that he's down a little bit. You see, envy leads us to being upset at another person's gain and then to be happy about another person's loss because it, we're basing our self-worth on comparison. And so let me give you a few other maybe symptoms of how envy works 
Envy leads, it's, you know, it's a gateway sin. It leads to many, many harmful and sinful feelings and behaviors. One is, and I believe this is on the screen, if you want to take some notes, you might want to take notes on this. Envy leads to rivalry. It leads to rivalry. Now, I'm not talking about the Cubs versus the White Sox here. And though, even though there are, there are some rivals, Gene, I know you got your White Sox and many others are Cubs fans. I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm talking about is a deadly competitive, competitive spirit. You want to beat others around you. Uh, when you have rivalry, you're perceiving your worth on, on, on beating other people. You're keeping score with others. Rivalry hates losing. It hates losing. It'll do everything it can not to lose. Envy can also lead to resentment. Being bitter over something that you think isn't fair. Maybe you resent somebody for something they received. So you begin to harbor bitterness in your heart towards them. Envy can also lead to discontentment. And this is the state of being where you are never happy where you are in life. No matter, no matter, no matter what you do, happiness is always somewhere else. It's always in, maybe if I had a different job. Maybe if I lived somewhere else in a different community. Maybe if I, maybe if I went to church somewhere else. Maybe if, I, maybe if I had a different family member or spouse, things would be better for me. If I could just get a different job. Happiness always eludes you because you're discontent. Thomas Aquinas, a Catholic theologian, he says, envy is the sin of wishing that things were other than they are with your life. Isn't that sad? When we're basing our self-worth on comparison, you'll never be happy with where you are in life. It will always lead to discontentment. Envy also leads to harmful speech. This is when we see that person who maybe we're, we're comparing ourselves to or we're mad about, we start to say critical or untrue things about them. And we can do that directly to their face, or sometimes more often we do it behind their back. If we could just say something to bring them down one rung on the ladder, that might make us feel a little bit better. Oh, well, well what they did, that, when they did that, it wasn't, it wasn't that great. It wasn't that good. And so you begin to have critical speech towards other people. Uh, envy also then eventually leads to malice. And this is a spiteful feeling of hatred towards another person. And you begin to dream about and plan about their downfall. And eventually, you might actually participate in bringing somebody else down. That's where envy can lead. And one final example, and I hope I can say this right, envy leads to schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. This is a, ger this is a German word uh, that there really is no English equivalent, but literally it's, it's the words for harm and joy. Harm and joy. This is the experience of feeling pleasure at somebody else's harm or downfall. This is the feeling satisfied that somebody else goes down or wrong on the ladder. You're glad. You're glad that something bad happened to them. Uh, and so, I mean, this is partly why we think slapstick comedy is funny. Someone steps on the rake and it slaps in the face. So that, that's a mild example. But a more deadly example is when we're satisfied, when we're rejoicing that somebody else has harm come their way. That is a deadly spirit because that is the opposite of love. Love rejoices that good things happen to people, not despairing over it. So this, this is the attitude that leads to death. So we talked about kind of what envy is and kind of what it uh, gives birth to and leads to, but let me give some more reasons. Why, why is envy so deadly? Well, first, envy is so deadly because it decays our own souls. It decays our souls. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. 
You see, envying another person, comparing yourself to somebody else, it's only going to harm yourself. You're not going to gain anything from it. It's not going to do anything for you. It's only going to make you feel worse about your life, about your family, about who you are. There's a story of a Greek, a Greek man who during the period of kind of these, these Olympic and, and games that they would have in the cities, uh, he had a rival. And the town decided to erect a statue in honor of this uh, other man who was very successful in the Olympic Games. So the city puts up this big statue of this man. So the rival is so filled with envy because he wanted to be the best that when darkness came across, across the town, he would sneak out at night and he would go to the statue and he would try to find some way to push it down. And it was really difficult because it was a big statue. And so night after night, he's going back to the statue, trying to find a way to bring it down. Well, eventually, he succeeds. And he pushes the statue down, and it falls right on top of him. And it kills him. That is what envy does. I mean, this is, this is like Scottie Pippen trying to go to the Michael Jordan statue in the, in the United Center and trying to tear it down because he's envious of this other person's success. But the only thing that that does is it kills our own selves because you're building your self-worth on how well you're doing in comparison to other people. There's always going to be somebody higher on the ladder than you. Always, in every area. And as long as you base your self-worth on this, it's going to decay your soul and lead to death in your own self. So envy is deadly because it decays our souls. It's deadly because it destroys relationships. Many of you, the example I want to give you out of this is you're familiar with the story of, of King Saul and King David. And if you, don't, if you need to know a little bit about the history of the Jewish people, King, king Saul was the first king of Israel. And King David became famous because he destroyed a giant named Goliath who was part of the Philistines, the Israelites' enemies. And so actually Saul promotes him, but then here's what happens next. It's on the screen, follow along. 1 Samuel 18. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. He promotes him up the ladder. And this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. But when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres. They're throwing a parade. The cubs are having a parade. They're throwing a, a celebration. But as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands... Saul's feeling pretty good. But then they say, and David, his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And if you know the story, Saul begins to go crazy. And he grabs a spear and tries to literally kill David by throwing it actually on multiple occasions. One moment, Saul's promoting David up the ladder. But then what happens is he, he sees David creeping up too close. So one moment he's promoting him, the next moment he's trying to kill him. This is how envy can be so deadly to us and to our relationships. Now, God, we pray that none of you are led to murder somebody through envy. Uh, Though I do think things that you see on the news and things like that sometimes have their root in this sin. Uh, but maybe that's not your struggle this morning. Uh, but it can lead you to destroying relationships around you. In fact, murdering the relationships you have with others. 
Because this spirit will lead you to do things that harm and, and uh, destroy your relationships with others. And see, envy can be more tricky and deceitful than just, you know, uh, very visible harm. Uh, Pastor Will Willimon uh, says that even most of our criticisms of others can have their root in envy. You know, just criticize, just having a critical spirit towards somebody. Wanting to bring them down or wrong in the ladder, not celebrating their success. So envy, it decays our souls, destroys our relationships, and it also, envy, can cause us to oppose the work of God. It can cause us to oppose the work of God. It can cause you to miss out on what God is doing in your life, even if it's right in front of you. It really can. Even Christian people, believe it or not, are susceptible to this. What if God was blessing someone in your life around you, and they were using someone else, and they became so successful, and that you ended up despairing because of it? What if another ministry, another church, another person, God was blessing them and using them so much that you were despairing? Do you believe that could happen? It happened when Jesus came into the world. The religious leaders, in fact, it says in the scriptures that Pontius Pilate, the man that helped send Jesus to his death, he knew that the religious leaders of their day, they were sending Jesus to the cross because they were envious of Jesus. They were envious that Jesus was being celebrated. That Jesus, that they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David in the highest on Palm Sunday. And they were not the ones getting the attention and the, and the praise Jesus was. Envy put Jesus Christ on the cross. The Son of God came into the world and human hearts were so envious that they killed him. This is how deadly it can be. And in fact, even after they killed him, these religious leaders, they kept on going. The early church was growing. The gospel was spreading. People were accepting the message of the risen Christ. And you know what? The religious leaders were still persecuting because they were envious. It says it right in the book of Acts. You can read it yourself. They wanted to stop the movement because they wanted the praise. Pastor Joe Rigney says, Envy is seeing God's hand of blessing on someone in an obvious way, knowing that it's God's blessing and still making that person an enemy. That's, that's what it can do. You see, envy can cause you to oppose your brothers and sisters in Christ, even when God is using them in powerful ways. And the Christian life is so messy. This can happen in the church. This can happen in your workplace. You know, perhaps, perhaps you feel envious or bitter that you didn't get... The, the position that you were hoping for. Or perhaps you're, you're envious of that someone in the church gets to lead a certain ministry and you were the person that wanted to lead it. Or perhaps for some reason you weren't asked to do something and, and now it's, it's eating away at your soul. Or perhaps you're envious of some of our musicians up here who do so well and you just wish, God, why didn't you make me like that? Why didn't you give me the ability to speak or to play? I want to be a part of that. Envy can lead you to oppose the good things that God has gifted to others and not recognize the things that God has gifted you. So what are some warning signs? How can we avoid this? When does envy begin? Envy begins, it follows the success in the achievement of others. And when someone is successful, will we ask, well, why not me? Why wasn't that me? Envy also, it follows the possessions of others. And we begin to ask, well, why do they deserve that? Why did they get that? Again, why not me? And lastly, envy begins with those who are closest to us. It usually begins with the people right around you. It's not, you usually don't envy someone who's, who's, who's on 20 ladders higher than you and is not next to you. You envy those closest to you. Now, when I was a runner in high school, 
I didn't envy Olympic runners who were winning gold medals in, in the 5K and 10K. I didn't, I, that didn't really bother me all that much, okay? I didn't, I didn't despair over that. But I remember very vividly, there was a guy on our team who was a slacker, total slacker. You would find him on runs, and he would be walking, he would be taking it easy, and everyone despised how lazy this guy was. And I was, I was, it was my sophomore year, and I was on the verge of making varsity. I was right in that line of getting out of the varsity team. And I remember as the conference uh, meet was approaching, and as the, the playoffs were approaching, sectional, re regional, semi-state, for some reason, uh, this, this guy, he ends up running really well. He ends up running really well. In fact, he ran faster than me, and he had never beaten me all year. And when we got to the playoffs, the coach decides to put him on the varsity team and not me. And I tell you what, I was, I was so envious. I said, why him? He is, he is going, this is just a fluke. There is no way he deserves this. He has been slacking off all season. I deserve to be on the varsity team. In fact, we'll do better if you put me on it. You see, I envied someone who was so close to me on my own team. And the same is, can be true for you. You usually envy people, and maybe in your own family, Maybe it's someone in your, in your workplace, they get a promotion that you thought you deserved and they got instead. Or maybe it's even in the church. You're envious of something that happened to somebody else. And you despair by comparing. You compare and you despair. And it usually happens to those who are closest to you. So how do we beat this? How do we find resurrected life, new life over the sin that destroys? Well, the first is this. You have to repent of the comparison game and find your worth in Christ. Francis Bacon says, Envy is ever joined to the comparing of man's self. When there is no comparison, there is no envy. What you have to do is you have to stop playing this whole game. You have to say, you know what? This, this is not my self-worth. I am, I'm done. I am done trying to climb this ladder. I am done comparing. And instead of climbing the ladder, I'm going here. I'm going here to the cross. Instead of looking at everybody else to find my worth, I'm, I'm looking right there. That Jesus paid for the ultimate price. And that is how much worth I have in him. It's not based on what anybody else is doing. It's based on the cross. You don't look around, you look at the cross. You find your identity in that. Guys, you, I wish I could just implant this into your heart, into your mind how much God loves you and values you and how important you are in God's eyes. If my daughter, Daisy Joy, ever doubted my love, if she ever doubted how precious, how valuable, how beautiful, how wonderful, how amazing she is, it would absolutely break my heart. And our Heavenly Father feels the same way about you. Stop doubting His love for you. Stop doubting your value. Stop doubting your value that you have in Christ. He has paid the ultimate price for you to be in relationship with you. And if you're struggling with your self-worth, please come see me. Please find help because God wants to set you free from that. And once we have that, gosh, I feel like these next things don't even matter. But I want to say them because they're really helpful. Once we have that self-worth, we have to be able to celebrate the success and blessing of others. When you're grounded in that, you can see somebody else, you can see them climbing the ladder and you can say, congratulations. There might be people in your life 
you need to congratulate. You need to say, I'm so glad that God is using you, that God is blessing you. And as soon as you feel that feeling of envy in your soul, you say, man, I'm, I'm happy for you. Congratulate and bless. And lastly, just be faithful with what God has given you. Jesus tells a story of three servants, each get a different sum of money, and they have to do something with it, but they're not judged on how much money they were given compared to the others. They were judged at what they did with what God gave them. You're not going to be compared to what God has given others. You're going to be judged on, what did you do with what I gave you? Are you going to be faithful with how God has blessed you, what unique position he's given you, the unique place in our church, the unique giftings you have, the unique uh, whatever it is, how you are gifted. The question is, are you engaged? Are you leveraging all that you are for his kingdom? Because you know you have value in Jesus Christ. The resurrected Jesus. He renews us and set us, sets us free from all of this. And I want to say it again. Some of you, you may not be able to combat and get out of this on your own. You might need help from a counselor or a therapist. You simply might need somebody else to pray. I have found over and over again, if I'm dealing with something that I can't beat, I need to go tell somebody else about it and have them pray. And I don't know what it is about that, but there's just something about telling somebody else, naming it, and having them seek God's healing for it for you. And if you need that today, go see our deacons afterwards. Get out of this deadly sin and find the new life in Jesus, who can set you free. Let's pray.